Well, I just got back from Thanksgiving holiday. I hope you all had a great Thanksgiving. I went back to Florida where I'd spent, uh, I think, 25 years of my life. And when I first came to California, I just felt like, my God, this is home. This is where I want to live. And to be perfectly honest with you, every time I've gone back to Florida since I arrived here in 1988, uh, maybe it was just a result of the temperature and the humidity and the bugs and the rotting mango smell and the uh, we have hummingbirds here in California, and back in Florida, we have mosquitoes that are about the same size. Anyway, every time I've gone back to Florida prior to this trip, it's always given me a sense of, oh, I remember Florida. Second day, it's like, yep, it's time for me to go home. Third day, I will crawl over broken glass to get out of this place. But this time was different, uh, very, very different. And this time it was different because I was going to the best-run state in the nation. And uh, I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed being able to sit in a restaurant with other people, none of whom were wearing masks and none of whom were complaining about it, uh, talking about things like, you know, uh, the current president and, and his record of success and, and some potential problems with the, vac with the uh, Victrola, uh, and generally reveling in the fact, my God, this is a free country. I remember what this was like. Made Florida a lot more attractive. So having dinner with my friend Suzanne, who's been a Huge part of my life has really saved my life on a number of occasions. Natasha and I and Suzanne had a great dinner. And while we were talking about politics, she said, have you ever heard the term the woking dead before? I said, no, that's fantastic. Did you come up with that? And she said, yes, I did. She said, it's yours. I said, great. I'm sure I'll be able to find some way to work that title into a show somewhere in the next couple of weeks. So we got home from that dinner about 1030 at night. We're up at 330 in the morning because our flight home was at 6. 30 the next morning. And as we're in the plane getting ready to taxi, I am just getting my bags organized. Natasha's got the window seat. I've got the middle seat. Greater love hath no man, by the way, for his woman than a pilot who is always giving up a window seat. And as we were getting our bags organized, uh, I had my mask on just about the tip of my nose. And uh, last minute, somebody came in and sat next to me. And she'd been in the seat for about 20 seconds when she suddenly got up and walked up the aisle towards the flight attendant and you know, back at me, you know, and I thought, I don't know, I got a funny feeling about this. She comes back, sits down, doesn't say a word. The flight attendant comes back and says, uh, sir, uh, we, were, we, we need you to cover all of your nose with the mask. And I was so outraged by this that I, without even thinking, I just turned to her and said, Okay, Karen, I'll, I'll be happy to take care of that for you. Now, she didn't say anything, but the flight attendant said, she's not being a Karen, sir. She's just concerned for your safety and other people's safety. And I'm thinking to myself, isn't that the definition of a Karen? Somebody who's busy minding other people's business? So I said, okay, no, absolutely no problem. And, and I looked up, and I called him by his name, and a name on his name tag, and I, I swear to God, I don't have the nerve to invent this. I'm just not that brave. But I looked up at this guy, saw his name tag, and I said, okay, we'll take care of that right away, Brandon. And for the rest of the flight, this had me thinking, because a number of things happened on the flight. First of all, everybody around us was mask-free. They say on uh, JetBlue that you're only allowed to take your mask off while you're actively chewing, got to put it back up. The person across the aisle spent two hours just open conversation with the person next to him. No mask on at all. No problem. Brandon say anything? Nope. Did uh, the person sitting next to me say anything? No, of course not. People behind me? No masks. Sleeping? Fine, 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 fine. There was a moment when she did take her mask off. I thought, oh, maybe she's going to have a drink. But she took her mask off to reveal, are you ready? 
Yes, a second mask. It was kind of like watching Darth Vader's helmet come off in Star Wars. And it's almost like, and the Darth Vader helmet comes off. And underneath that is a guy in a ski mask balaclava uh, for the extra protection. Anyway, it got me thinking and I realized, my God, this term, the Woking Dead, is perfect to describe this person. It's perfect to describe all of, of the woke people. Because it's not just about the vaccine. It's, it's wokeness in general. I happened to glance over at the book she was highlighting, every other word being highlighted. Really, honestly, it would have been quicker just to highlight the parts you didn't want to read anymore. And it was something about healing your inner child and, you know, color me surprised. But I actually did have five hours to think about this. The Woking Dead is, is a, a really, actually, extremely accurate term for these people. And if you really think about it, the more you think about it, the, the more true it gets. They're dead to everything. They're dead to art. Any great art, have you ever heard, ever heard a social justice warrior or anybody of any woke philosophy ever talking about art in a positive way? Or has everything they've ever said about art, statuary, literature, anything, always been negative? This has got to go, this has got to go, this has got to go, this has got to go. Have you ever once heard a woke person saying, this is a wonderful, magnificent, absolutely enjoyable piece of music, art, literature, whatever, and it just makes me feel good and it connects with everybody? No. You've never heard them say that because they've never had that experience. There's no such thing as woke literature. The only thing that woke writing is about is destroying other writing. That's all there is to it. So forget about the idea of reading a good book, history, novel, nothing. No, we're going we're gonna to read a book about, about how damaged we are and how careful we have to be in order to stay safe. And if I hear the word safety one more time, I think I'm going to just explode. So what about conversation? You know, kind of thing we're doing now. It may be a one-way conversation, but at least it's a conversation. I, I thought during the entire flight, I thought maybe, you know, we got off on the wrong foot. Maybe we could just have a conversation about something. Have a conversation about what? History? She doesn't know anything about history. Literature? What literature has she read? Forget about what literature can she share. What has she read? Nothing. She's sitting there next to me in a hoodie with double masks on, staring at the floor, and I realized this is no different, really, than one of those mummies that you find in the, in the, in the frozen mountains of the Andes that have just been left there, you know, out in the elements. It's really actually pretty sad. Do they know anything about science? No. You know, one of the conversations that's always fun to have with people, I always enjoy anyway. I actually got this from a flight instructor, but I took a little further. One conversation that's really kind of fun would be to say, if you were standing right here where you are now, or sitting right where you are right now, in the chair next to me, uh, you know, in 27D, uh, you were sitting in this chair and you just went straight up, just kept going straight in that direction. Tell me what you would see. Just tell me what you would see. What do you mean? What what would happen if you just kept going up? What would you see? Well, you'd look down, and I guess I'd see the earth, the earth, the poisoned earth, the earth that's about to die. It's only got a few more years, you know. The oceans are just clogged with, with, with dying animals and plastic and all the rest of this stuff. I mean, it's just nothing but, nothing but agony and gloom and despair. And then if you went higher up, what would you see? Well, I don't know. You might see other planets. Any desire to walk on them? No. Well, how about if I go walk on them? Would you mind? Absolutely, I would mind. You don't get to colonize these other worlds and spread this cancer of humanity towards other planets. Well, what about maybe there's aliens out there? Maybe there's other cultures and, and, and strange new worlds and people to meet and talk to and learn things from. Maybe the cure from cancer is out there. Who knows? Maybe there are tremendous numbers of interesting species out there. You're not interested in going to talk to them? Well, no, 
all we would do is poison their culture. We would, we would, we would simply destroy them. Humanity's a cancer, and we have to limit our own viral uh, infection of the galaxy. And so you get the idea. It's like, God sakes, is there, is there nothing here? Nothing? Is there nothing? We know they're dead to science, and the reason we know they're dead to science is because of this chart right here. We're on a plane flying from Florida back to California. Now, I have never seen science and politics so clearly correlated as they are in this particular graph. If you haven't figured it out yet, this is a graph of COVID infections in the United States as of essentially today. And you'll notice that the entire country is still experiencing relatively small but significant numbers of increases in COVID-19 cases, except for Florida. And take a look at this. It, it is on the boundary line. It's on the Florida border. That's what separates blue Florida, light blue in this case, meaning no infections or essentially no infections from the entire rest of the country. Now, if it turned out that the rest of the country had a no mask, no vaccination passport mandate, and Florida did, which is what they want you to believe, then this would be science. It'd still be tyranny, but at least it'd be tyranny based on science. But when you look at this picture, you can clearly see that the one state that is not mandating vaccination visas, not mandating mask wearing, not mandating anything, is the one state in the country that is essentially COVID-free. There's a word for this, my friends. That word is data. It's reality. It means something. There's something actually there in that picture. Is that going to change this person's mind sitting next to me? No. no. They're the woking dead. They're immune to reason. They're immune to data. They're immune to culture. They're immune to music. Most especially, they're immune to any kind of new experiences because any kind of new experiences, listening to a speaker who they don't agree with before they've heard them or any other, any other form of stimulation, is anathema to them because if it were to occur, it might just tickle that little tiny little particle of humanity that's left, a little particle of curiosity, that little tiny flame of imagination that still lurks inside of every human heart, I believe. And kindling that would be the end of everything they know, be the end of all their friends. Because of all the things they're dead to, really, the main thing that the woking dead are dead to is humanity in general. The entire idea of humanity. They despise humanity, despise humans. But even on a more personal level, they don't seem to have any friends. Now, I know that sounds like a, a, a kind of a jingoistic statement, but stay with me on this. Recently, the uh, college Democrats, uh, which is equivalent to the college Republicans, is an on-campus, you know, across-the-country organization, has been tearing itself apart because they can't seem to find anybody to chair that organization who doesn't have a history of something that's objectionable to somebody else in the organization. Is there ever a time when the Woking Dead are not striving to eat each other, to cannibalize each other, to grab that last remaining shred of virtue? Is there one of them that on some level doesn't feel that their friends are not quite as woke as they are, that, this, that there's kind of a a conviction, a passion that they have, not a passion, just sort of a, a duty or a robotic kind of a seek and destroy kind of thing that their friends aren't quite up to. I don't know. It's a lot of generalizations, but I'll tell you one thing. I've seen happy people in my life. I know what happy people look like. Not always happy, but I'm mostly happy. 
And I have friends, and I just spent a lot of time with friends and family. We had a marvelous time. We didn't think about COVID. We didn't think about vaccines. We didn't think about the patriarchy. We didn't think about the oppressive culture. We didn't think about systematic racism. We didn't think about any of that stuff. It was just a family and friends getting together, having a wonderful time. People like this woking dead specimen sitting next to me were spending the entire day furious about imagined injustices that happened 500 years ago and who seem incapable to me of any form of activity that could even be in the most general sense described as living 